pray to God together. Gracious, almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And the children of God said together, amen. Well, we're talking for the next few weeks about community. Uh, chapter 9 in our Unfold series is titled Together. Uh, you know, Unfold has been this year-long exercise of discipleship and prayer and that yearning to align our story with God's story. And all the work that we've done, all the, the work that we've, all the things that we've learned, we're only able to do this holy work in the midst of a loving community. For me, being part of a, a faith community helps my faith to grow because of your faith. I believe because you believe. You, know, you are the beloved community for me. In the Unfold book uh, for chapter 9, it says, Who we are, what we believe, and how we love all work best when practiced in the midst of a loving community, a community centered around and grounded in our collective flourishing. You know, every Sunday, we hear the words, you are accepted, you are loved, you are called, because we want to be as clear as possible that this is a church for all people, where everyone's gifts are celebrated and where you can be your authentic self. And some people don't like that. I noticed this week that the pride flag was gone, and I was like, what happened to the pride flag? And apparently for the eighth time, it has been stolen, but this time they're getting smarter. They took the pole, and we were like, now we have to get a new pole. Anyway, we're going to get another one. Uh, today I want to share with you one of my favorite stories of the Bible. I have to admit to you that I did not know this story growing up, um, but this story reminds me about the importance of being a part of a loving community. Uh, this story is celebrated in Jewish synagogues in the Feast of Purim, in a Purim celebration in the story of Esther, uh, when that story is read, and when Haman, when his name is mentioned, noisemakers called groggers um, are done like this, and, and they go around, and so you can't hear the name of Haman, and people boo, um, because Haman is the bad guy uh, in the story. So I encourage you to participate in a Purim celebration in a synagogue. It's such a fun festival to be a part of. So the story of Esther takes, part, um, takes place in the kingdom of Persia, which is not normally where you think that God's people will be in Persia. Uh, God's people are not in the promised land, you know, that land of milk and honey that God had promised them. And they had been through a lot to get to the promised land. So let me back up for a little bit to remind us how the Hebrew people got to the promised land. Uh, Moses was out tending the flock uh, of his father-in-law Jethro when he saw a burning bush. Remember the burning bush? And God spoke to Moses, and God said, my people have been oppressed. My people are slaves under Pharaoh, and I need, I need you to go and tell the Pharaoh to let my people go. And it took a while, but eventually Moses led the Hebrew people, the Jews, across the Red Sea and into the wilderness where they lingered for 40 years. After Moses' death, uh, Joshua led the people across the Jordan River into the promised land that God had been preparing for them. 
through uh, Moses, God had given the people the Ten Commandments, you know, I'm your God, and you shall have no other, no other God before me. You shall make no idols. Uh, God said, don't marry these foreign women. Don't let them bring their foreign gods into your house. Uh, do not hedge your bets by giving your allegiance to multiple gods, you know, in case this relationship between us doesn't work out. God said, I will take care of you, and in return, I need you, my people, to remember who you are and to remember whose you are. It was this beautiful business arrangement, except that God's people did not keep their end of the covenant, and, and they forgot who they were, and they forgot whose they were, and they married the foreign women, and they brought the foreign idols in, and God raised up prophets, and the prophet said, if you don't turn and go the way that God wants you to go, if you don't exercise justice and righteousness, if you don't take care of the immigrants in your midst, if you don't take care of the widows and the children, then God will send you into exile and will let someone else have the promised land. And it came to pass, just as they were warned, you know, God's people couldn't get it right, and they were led into exile. And it was the Babylonians that came and took God's people out to Babylon, and a remnant returned to Israel under the leadership of the prophet Nehemiah. But many who were in Babylon chose to stay, and, and they were now a second generation. They had established land and businesses and families there, and they did not go back. Now, eventually, Babylon was overtaken by the Persians. Um, Hear me? I can't hear me. There I am. Okay. So a remnant returned to Israel under the leadership of the prophet Nehemiah, but many who were in Babylon chose to stay. And they were now a second generation. They had established land and businesses and families there, and, and they did not go back. Now, eventually, Babylon was overtaken by the Persians, so now God's people, these Jews who did not return to the land of Israel, they're in the land of Persia, and that's where our story opens. You ready for our story? So the king of Persia is um, Ahasuerus, and you don't know if I'm saying that right, so I don't know either. Uh, history calls him King Xerxes, and Ahasuerus is having this great banquet, and the wine is flowing, and everyone's just gorging themselves, and, and the king calls for his wife, uh, Queen Vashti, to come present herself wearing her royal crown. Now, I tend to think that he wanted her to only wear her royal crown, but there's some debate about that. So, um, you know, he, he tells her to come in front of all this debauchery and sort of parade in front of it. And, and Queen Vashti very wisely says, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, and the king is in this tight spot because he has told his wife to do something and she doesn't do it. Now, I know that this never happens in your life, but, um, you know, he, she's not going to do it. And, and he's at a bit of a loss. And it's an awkward time for him. And his leaders rush in and, and they say, you can't let her do that. You know, if the queen doesn't come when you call her, you know, our, our wives are going to start acting the same way and there's going to be chaos and you got to do something. So uh, they tell him that he needs to, to banish Vashti, that she can't be queen anymore. And the, queen, the king, you know, says, okay, you know, that's a great idea. I'm going to go do that. So he banishes her. And then the next morning, he wakes up, and he's like, where's my wife? 
where did she go? I don't know what happened. Um, and he wonders, you know, what happened to her? And, and he realizes what he has done. Uh, but in the laws of the Persians, if a king has made a decree, it cannot be reversed. So the king cannot take it back. There's no way that he can have Queen Vashti in his presence again. He banished her. There's no making up. that This is it. He's got to move forward. So he calls together his leaders and he says, what do I do? And they think about it for a while and they say, well, you know, you could get a new queen. What if you were to have a beauty pageant to pick your new queen? So, you know, to our enlightened 21st century ears, this sounds like a terrible idea. Terrible idea. But the king thinks it's a great idea. And here's where we meet Esther. Esther is the cousin of a Jew named Mordecai who is a leader among the Jews. He has great principles, and he is someone that other Jews follow. Esther was an orphan, and so her cousin Mordecai is her ward. But he cannot stop Esther from going to the king because everybody's got to participate in this beauty contest. This is a decree that Esther must obey. And nowhere in this story are we told that Esther follows this decree willingly. You know, she's not like, ooh, I want to be in the beauty pageant. We, we don't get that. In fact, when she arrives um, in the royal palace, she doesn't try very hard to win the beauty contest. Um, she also doesn't tell people that she's a Jew because Mordecai has told her, don't reveal your faith. So, as you know, Esther is chosen as the next queen of Persia. And in the meantime, sort of in a parallel story, Mordecai is sitting at the king's gate when Haman, the bad guy, boo, thank you, thank you. Haman comes by and, um, you know, thank you for, for doing that. Haman had just been elevated to second in command of all of Persia right under the king. And he comes riding by on his fine horse and all the people bow down to Haman. So good. You're so good. Uh, now, Mordecai, although he is not chosen to return to the promised land, is a faithful Jew. And he knows that he does not bow down to a man. His loyalty is to the one true God. And so Mordecai conspicuously, conspicu conspicuous, conspicuously, conspicuous, that word, um, is the one who's standing while everyone else bows down to Haman. And it makes Haman very mad. So Haman goes home, and he's so mad, and he fumes to his wife, what do I do? You know, why is this Jew? He's not bowing down to me. What do I do? And his wife says, don't worry about it. You know, he's just one Jew. What you need to do is to get rid of all the Jews. Um, so why don't you go tell the king to get rid of all the Jews? And um, he's like, you know, that's, that's a really good idea. I think I'll do that. So uh, Haman goes to the king and tells him, you know, king, there, there's some people among us. They're not like us. We should eradicate them. You know, I, I think that you should maybe make a decree that on the 13th day of the 12th month, all of the people of Persia can rise up against these people, against the Jews. Wherever they are, they can kill them. Women, men, children, all of them. You know, don't, don't you think that's a good idea? They don't belong here. And the king said, okay, Haman, let's make that happen. 
Uh, Mordecai is deeply distressed when he hears this news, and and he goes into mourning, putting on sackcloth and ashes on his head, and, and he lies prostrate at the gate of the city, and all the other Jews around him do the same, and and word gets to Queen Esther in the palace what her cousin Mordecai is doing, and, and she wants him to act normal. What are you doing, Mordecai? Act normal. You know, we don't know if she's trying to protect Mordecai so that he won't get killed sooner than the 13th day of the 12th month, or, or maybe she's trying to protect herself. We don't know. I mean, she's in a pretty good position at the palace, She might not want anything to jeopardize that. Uh, We don't know what her motivation is, but she sends someone to tell Mordecai to stand up, to take that ash off of his forehead, to put on some regular clothes so that he can reverse his mourning. You know, get it together. Quit acting like you're sad. Well, there's a reason you should be sad, but act normal. Uh, Mordecai refuses, and he tells the messenger that Esther has to do something because she is the only one who can do something about this. So Esther gets Mordecai's message, and I want to read to you uh, what she says in reply. So this is Esther chapter 4, verses 10 to 17. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a message for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king... Inside the inner court, without being called, there is but one law, to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone, may that person live. I myself have not been called into the king for 30 days. When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think that in a king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast as you do. And after that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, and for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. So three days of prayer and fasting, three days to be reminded that she is a part of a loving community of faith. Three days to remind herself that she is connected to people who love her and care for her. So what do you think, Monday through Wednesday, no eating, no drinking? Y'all in? Ben's not, not up for it, no? You know, Esther knows that the courage of others will help her to have courage. So at the end of those three days, Esther goes to the king, and the king extends his golden scepter, and he asks her what she wants. Not only does the king spare her life, but he tells her he will give her up to half of his kingdom. So the Jews turn out okay in the end, 
Many of the Persians do not turn out okay. Haman is hanged on a gallows that he was building to hang Mordecai. And then Mordecai is lifted up as the second in command of all of Persia. You know, it's this just remarkable story of a time when the Jews were facing persecution and and even extinction, and instead they triumphed. And those pivotal words from Mordecai to Esther, you know, Esther has perhaps been placed in the king's palace for just such a time as this. I'm riveted by that back and forth between Mordecai and Esther with what she's not comfortable with and with what he's urging her to do. You know, Esther didn't want Mordecai to cause waves. Act normal, Mordecai. Don't cause waves. Don't notice that there's this huge problem in the world. Don't call it out. Just act normal. And this, for, this story forces Esther to cause a big wave. She's the one that, that wanted Mordecai to act normal, and she's the one who has to go and do something that causes a big wave. And it ultimately saves her people. And Mordecai reminds us the importance of speaking out against injustice, even when others would rather that we not cause waves. You know, when we are together in community, we learn from one another. When we are together in community, other people help us to be brave. When we are together in community, we pray for one another. The story of Esther reminds me of the idea that God has placed me where I am because I have a purpose that I didn't choose, but it was given to me by God. Maybe God has placed you where you are right now for a purpose that you didn't choose, but it was given to you by God for such a time as this. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.